you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative, Jude, and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Uh, allergies. You know what? I'm going to take a positive note and say that in spite of my bronchitis, I feel great because we just got a season premiere date for Strange New Worlds and the news that it has been pre uh, pre renewed for season three. Uh, and yeah, love that. that yes, is, that's that's great. That news. is a, a lot of my favorite captain and my favorite ship in Star Trek. So uh, that's good news for me. And we got a whole new Star Trek show announced, right? Yeah. I feel like I feel like people have been suggesting a Starfleet. They Academy. were suggesting that show when I was watching Star Trek when it aired live. When TNG was on and they did the Wesley goes to the Academy and fucks up a shuttle episode, people were like, "Where's the the Academy show?" <laughs> I I like okay. So this so we're, we're, this this is our this is uh, our Aaron, pre please, pre episode. Uh, please insert at least one or two clips of us saying this is not a Star Trek podcast here. Um, this is, this is not a Star Trek podcast, but there was a like nineties computer game, which was a Starfleet Academy game that included FMV, uh, like, like cutscenes, um, with performances by William Shatner, George Takai and Walter Koenig, uh, sir, Walter Koenig. That we did an entire podcast. I know, I know. I'm like our favorite. <laughs> yeah, I know. I our favorite fascist. I was, like, I was like, the problem. I was like Chekhov, Bester. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's like I couldn't I, remember Bester. I couldn't remember Walter Koenig. But yeah, no, that 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 was ingrained in my memory. Um, so I have like a I have a soft spot for that. But this is not a Star Trek podcast. Um. I don't know. Except for when Except it is. For, I you feel know. like that's the we, line. This I think is you can Star Trek I, podcast. Pause. Except for when it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but we but we are here to talk about uh two episodes uh from season four of Person of Interest Tonight, episode 1718, Karma and Skip. Uh Jude, I believe you wrote the karma summary I, a week two ago. Two weeks ago. So take us <laughs> away. All right. Karma. Episode 17, written by Hilary Benefiel and Sabir Pirzada, directed by Chris Fisher. That's a, I just want to say, those are two two names that do, one of those things does not sound like the other, because Chris Fisher sounds like a real white guy, and the other two names don't. (laughs) I don't really have any other comment there, just something that jumped out at me. 
Uh, this week's number is Shane Edwards, a psychologist for violent crime victims or trauma victims. They discover who is making sure that the people who hurt his patients are getting their karmic due. When the man who killed his wife gets out on parole, he plans to frame the man for killing him as well. Finch eventually confronts him moments before he goes through with this suicide frame-up and convinces him that this will not fix anything and to live his life. Uh, using his own personal experience, uh, presumably. Edwards takes his advice, but the team is left in doubt as to whether the man who he believed killed his wife is in fact guilty of the crime. In the far more interesting flashback to 2010, a stiffly wheelchair-bound Finch is in the library beginning his investigation into Alicia Corwin following the death of Nathan. He makes some very, very retro uh, voice transformer threatening phone calls to Alicia uh, and builds <laughs> what legitimately looks like a bomb from a 90s horror, from a 90s like terror movie but the machine tries its best to dissuade him from killing her and it's only when she admits that she blames herself despite not knowing what the government would do with the project to protect the secret of the project that he finally relents this is some justin doing b5 level of tersity on this summary but that's the that's it yeah the flashback is the a plot is a little bit thin yeah the a plot is particularly thin i will say though uh, one of my notes on this episode is that most actors, speaking to someone who has been to a lot of therapy, most actors portraying therapists <laughs> and psychologists aren't very good at it, despite the fact that I'm sure most of them are in therapy. Um, but this guy kind of nails it. He's got like, there's just something about like someone who is a, prof a professional therapist or psychologist, like the way they listen, they have like a body posture. I'm sure... You guys know exactly mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. They have that, like, a particularly a good therapist. They have like a a way of listening that, like, it's it it's a way of listening that lets the speaker know that attention is yeah, being paid to them, and without being like the you know posed at your couch with a notepad out, like caricature therapist listening. And this guy really nails that which i thought was like it was so obvious to me when i was watching it it made me realize how often you don't see that on tv because it it like really stood out to me how how much that how, how much i liked that um so i like that yeah I thought, it, I thought it worked i also my 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 two my two like com most notable things about this episode are that also finch does not make a very compelling mad bomber <laughs> no he is he is somebody who I, I would say is not prepared for acts of terrorism. Yeah. I I mean, I, I did enjoy the like unhinged fit uh Harold though. Like mm -hmm. that he's kind of he's kind of doing the like rampage thing that we've seen John and Shaw do a couple of times, or John Shaw root a couple of times. Um but like he's doing it in a very Harold way. Yeah, I, I like to be clear, when I say like he's not a very compelling mad bomber, that's not to say that I don't enjoy watching it. I just think that yeah. like as yeah. a mad bomber, he's not a very good one. But that's not to say that I don't enjoy watching him try. Yeah. Well, and especially since we've had, you know, uh three and a half seasons at this point, or three and three quarter seasons at this point, of like 
really emphasizing how much va- he values human life. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a little bit implausible that he would like you know go out on a like you know threaten murder, etc. I I think that I think that in this sense, because what we're seeing at the end of what we're seeing in the present day is a Finch who has you know. I'm going to say maladjusted to <laughs> life on the other side. Um, yeah. But like, I think like this is a moment, I, like the reason I think it works is for me at least is that it is a moment of incredible desperation and trauma. Yeah. This is the anger stage yeah. of grief. He's not, not only is he, you know, unmoored without his you know, project to work on anymore. But his best friend died, and he can't go and spend time with the love of his, love of his life anymore. Yeah. Like has, that fucking sucks. He has no support system, no structure, and he's like neck deep in grief. So he obviously, not obviously. I don't think it's obvious that you would end up making wackadoo mad bomber calls and making basement bombs. I feel like that is never the obvious destination for your grief, but <laughs> it's not surprising. Maybe. I don't know. Does, does, a uh, does one of those, does one of those bombs made out of a two liter of soda count? Not, not, not like the, not like the, the baking soda and vinegar, but like, you know, it's, Oh wait, I, I have blown something up once in my life and it was not in the period of extreme, extre- extreme depression and trauma at yep. least. <laughs> anyway, this episode also features not mentioned in the summary because I refuse uh, a little bit of more than a little bit of the horny Reese music. Ugh. There's really a C plot practically of uh, John and his far less convincing therapist uh, having some horny John music time. Ugh, God, I, ha- I hate it. I hate it. Is it the, this episode of the next one? Um, next episode is the one where she fires him okay, as a patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. she tries to be an ethical doctor. Uh, yeah. I. It's like John uh, like takes her to this, this psychologist's like charity dinner. With Fusco, and I'm just like, first of all, terrible date. Yeah, that's a uh, weird like, choice. I, I mean, there. <laughs> take her for some shawarma. F- Fusco wouldn't fuck that up. Fusco would know what to do there. Yeah, no, Fusco, Fusco, no, Fusco will order the right shit. Um, yeah, I, I truly just like, uh, it, it's everything about this is like it's, it's forced on a level that I, that I'm like, I tr- like. We have we have watched nine seasons of television together. Mm-hmm. No, ten. <laughs> ten plus together. Uh because I'm counting Strange New yep. Worlds there as well. Yeah. I try to give I try to give shit the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> this Dr. Campbell is just I cannot. It's, it's like so she's a psychologist who is also a cop and who is also a love interest and is just like the worst combination. Well, let's let's really briefly lay out why this whole plotline sucks egg. One, she is an attractive woman who is a psychologist. No, hold on. Oh, oh, if we're talking about like what John's no, like. Let me, let me lay this out. 
Rage of Fire is. We're going to get into that next this episode. This is an attractive woman <laughs> who works for IA, right? Interviewing dangerous cops. She is exposed. If her kink... So- so all of them, right? The only thing that she's got going that John has going on, because he doesn't have a personality, particularly in their like early flirting <laughs> phase. He has no personality. All he has is me and protect. He's tall, dark, and mysterious. He's tall, dark, and mysterious. If yeah. that is her thing, then she has probably there's no way that A, she could work for IA because she would be doing a tear through her patients. And you don't get to work for IA if you nail every patient that comes through your door. That's just not how that works. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd like, you know, I'd like to see your body count. Look, uh, I think other cop divisions, maybe, but IA, I feel like that maybe dilutes the effectiveness of your job a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, obviously. and, uh, and, uh, and uh, as a woman, she would be held to an unreasonable standard that her her male counterparts would not be. So. Uh, yeah. My point is only that it is utterly unreasonable to assume that uh, vaguely threatening cardboard cutout of a personality John would be her kryptonite that she would be willing to risk her entire career <laughs> over. I do not buy it. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into this in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Over uh, because when we're talking about like what is like I there has got to be a term for like what is the reasonable level of uh I, I this is this is like this plot and the next episode exists in a like weird universe where John I don't know maybe maybe it's just because it's it's like a two episode microcosm where John is like sexually desirable. That's a I feel like I'd that like this is like again. this is just a thing. I no 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 I think I know what it is. Is that like the these sort of plot lines are there for like people who are like 10 to 15 years older than us who are like, (laughs) it's the same reason why, like even while James Bond gets older, like all the women he dates are the same age. Um, it's because it's like, I, there's a very good like explanation of this is like, you're basically selling it to the people who are watching the show that like, the most attractive age a man can be is the is the average age of your audience mm, or of your male yeah. viewership. Um, it's because it's like it's it's a fantasy or whatever. Uh, like you know, oh the redheaded doctors into you. Oh well, the the blonde bounty hunters into you. It's it's I. <sighs> it's it's okay. No, oh god, this it's like it's like the mainstream TV version of those like weird gross food kink videos or something oh of like things things that you like don't realize are like a sex thing until you think about it yeah i think it's like i don't think it's even a sex thing yeah. i think it is like a like, like a, a fantasy so, thing yeah. a, fa- a like weird fantasy yeah. thing yeah agreed and what's funny is it's not as though they don't know how to make a, it plausible that someone would want to date or at least roll in the sheets with John because the whole relationship yeah. with John and Zoe fine totally fine with it yeah yeah I think if we like revealed that like Iris uh, was like 
like just had some completely unresolved daddy issues or something. I feel like I would like, like I feel like I would accept this a lot easier. I'm just like, Oh yeah, no, I, I can excuse that. Like just give me a reason for this bad yeah. decision. Yeah. Well, we, we can talk about this I, more with the episode other with the next episode, sure. but yeah. uh yeah, because there's nothing there yeah. for uh, yeah. this one. But um, I'm trying to think what, um, I do want to talk about this number because I think that like, First of yeah. all, this number exists in a universe where it makes Fusco terrible. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like Fusco isn't like the yeah no let's let let the doc kill this dude. Obviously, he must have done something. But it's like incredibly clear that it's not right, um, right. Which is wild. Where it's like this guy who was sent to prison for uh, for, for manslaughter was sent was like it was manslaughter, not murder, because. All the evidence was circumstantial. The only thing that was like there, like the only ev- the only real evidence was like the husband's testimony, which turned out to be a lie. Yeah, I think it's a bad read on Fusco in this episode. Yeah. I think they they're yeah. aiming for like Fusco is a cop. Fusco wants justice done, and they miss, oh, yeah. and they yeah. hit. Fusco doesn't care about the evidence. Fusco just wants blood. And yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get how that happens, but you, I feel like this, I don't know, maybe the, maybe they had to get this one done in a hurry or something and it missed, missed some edits. Yeah. I, it's not, it's not like, it's not by far like the most like weird or unusual or like terrible plot we've had. It's just like, it's one of those ones that I'm just like, because you've made Fusco terrible in this, now yeah. you have risen. You have my my hackles yeah. are up. I can accept the horny John music, and I can accept like <laughs> really uh, Mad Bomber <laughs> Finch. But the minute you fuck with Fusco, then I'm then you really cross a line. Uh, no, I can't accept horny John music. But I mean, I'm making a rhetorical point here. <laughs> yeah, I. This is we we're in. Like between, I mean, part of this is because I think that this like batch of episodes between guilty and our next episode are sort of a cool down run for mm-hmm. the series. Yeah, uh, like because it's like, oh hey, we're getting you to, we're gonna, we're getting you to the last four episodes here, which are going to be fucking bangers. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, and 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 like I I think only the last two are like mythos episodes is it just the last two because i have a vague recollection of what happens at the end of this season and if they cram all that into the last two episodes i will be flabbergasted yeah um i think it's just the last two because i just checked episode 20 because i'm like i i do that of like and it's the flashback episode resolving the cold case Mm. okay um with with the returning Mm. guest star yeah Okay. Which I was like, I thought that was much earlier in the season. And I was like, right, this episode exists. I thought we'd already done it. <laughs> uh, which is, goes to show you how lucid I am as a human being. Um, there there were a couple of aspects of the number plot that I did like, though. Um, that I, I did like that we actually got a, well, I always like the number plots where it's like, where the number is a blend of perp and victim. And this was one of them. And also it, it is nice when the team managed to actually talk down a perp like yeah. successfully. 
when when no kneecaps need be busted in order to solve a problem. Right, right, right. That they they like Harold was able to resolve the situation ultimately like using words, which was nice. And I think and I think that in terms of like you know as kind of uninspiring and flawed as it is they they did execute some parts of it well like the you know where he's sending the dog to go live with his colleague for an unspecified amount of time um yeah and like we as the audience are like oh oh we see what's happening here but like it takes a bit for john and harold to catch up because they did not see that but yeah it was it's kind of a bland episode yeah, I think it's like overall, it, like it's not a terrible episode. It's just like there's some weird bits that are like a little out of character, and it's not an entirely gripping story. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our next episode is season four, episode eighteen, "Skip," written by Ashley Gable, directed by Helen Shaver. Our number this week, well, okay, our first one is a waitress named Frankie Wells, except Frankie is a bounty hunter. She's tracking a guy named Ray Pratt, a criminal who murdered her brother and skipped bail while awaiting trial. Reese and Frankie team up to try to find out who is giving Ray a fake ID, and it turns out, oh, hey, it's Harper! Uh, Harper helps Ray escape, and to make matters worse, Ray's former partner, Carl Worthy, wants him dead for stealing from him. Worthy kidnaps Reese and Frankie, the latter of whom gets them free, and she also kisses Reese. Gross. Have standards, girl. <laughs> uh, Frankie and Reese are able to track down Pratt, but as a fight breaks out, Worthy shows up, and there's a nice big Mexican standoff. Harper offers a truce involving giving Worthy incriminating evidence to let Frankie take in Pratt, and Reese letting Worthy li- leave. John questions Harper on who she's working for, and she reveals that she is working for a mysterious benefactor named Elias Thornhill. Oh, hey, that's an alias of the machine. (laughs) They bring Pratt into custody, and Reese has Worthy arrested later. Our other number this week is is Beth Bridges, Harold's friend, and maybe more, from Hong Kong. She's ready to hand over her new predictive algorithm for Samaritan, and Harold has prepared a Trojan horse for the software to infiltrate Samaritan. Their first thought is that the person wanting to hurt Beth is her ex-husband, but it turns out that the true aggressor is Root, who doesn't want the Trojan horse virus delivered. In an attempt to force Root to stop, Harold drinks a neurotoxin meant for Beth. When Harold uh, Root agrees to not kill Beth in exchange for saving him, uh, when Harold goes to visit Beth later, he learns that Root sent documents discrediting Elizabeth, and Beth says she never wants to see Harold again. Root reveals that she has destroyed the activation trigger for the Trojan horse as the virus would have led to Harold's death. Which I feel like is the most interesting part of this entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. I found it was really interesting how much the flashback plot from last episode dovetailed with the Harold plot in this one. Oh, yeah. That in, in both of them, we've got the machine. Yeah, you know, we've got somebody on team machine who's the threat. And the machine trying to get them to stop. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, there, there is the echo between this and the last episode. And yeah, I think it is interesting that it's like they, that they feel that like the number comes in. But yeah, I think that there, there is something interesting with like that the moment that Harold reenters her life is the moment that, that her number goes to the machine. Yeah. 
Um, and like Root, Root has to remind Harold that it's like, no, nah, it's not Samaritan who's going to do this because if it was Samaritan, it would have been a, like, we would have, like, it would have gotten to me. And then Harold decides, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to take one for a, per- a person that I care about. And gosh, wow. the, the, I just like it, like the entire back half of this episode with Harold and Root is just so intense. I, yeah. It yeah. And I love that about this. I, the evolution in this season, in particular, of the relationship between Root and Finch and the way that it's explored how each of them have their own relationship with the machine and also their relationship with each other. Uh, and that's really over the last two seasons, really. But the way that Root has grown... And again, this this just contributes to Root being one of the like best character arcs in television in recent memory. Um, the way that she has grown from her start and the role that Finch played in that and how these two characters who were once very, very opposed and very, you know, hostile characters have become so close and so, so dependent on each other uh, in a, in emotional ways is just so good. And this episode is a really great piece of that arc and that evolution and and yet root is still root like she's still the one being like you know okay you this person poses a threat to harold based off of the plan that he has so instead of talking to him about it i'm going to kill her with neurotoxin yeah well look you could you can take the crypto fascist (laughs) terrorist out of the girl but you can't take the Wait, no. You can take the girl out of the crypto fascism, but you can't take the crypto fa- I don't know. You there's a certain amount of root you just can't take out of root is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call I wouldn't call I wouldn't call root a fascist. She does not believe she does not believe in authoritarian government. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. She doesn't want the machine to run things. No, I, I meant pre root. She wants the machine, machine to be I was free. Just pre-machine root. I mean she doesn't re- she would be maybe at most yeah, and, and like a weird, like one of those weird internet anarchists. Yeah. Oh God, we might have been a libertarian at one point. Oh God, but yeah, the it, the 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 thought that like the the phrase that came to me with the Harold and Root plot in this one is really the unstoppable force meets a movable object. Yeah. The way that the way that like neither of us like up until the very end when when Root caves. Neither of them is willing to give ground on it. Um, there's also there's also an interesting bit where Root is, is talking about you know the deaths that Harold feels that he's responsible for, and it's fascinating that uh, she didn't even mention she didn't actually mention Carter because I feel like Carter is a big one where Harold has been like if he had if he had brought Root in directly to help, she would have potential she would potentially still be alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I'm wondering if, like, I'm wondering if maybe Carter is not a wound that that Root ever wants to reopen. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. If I were Root, I wouldn't touch that one. At, at the end scene of this plot line, where Harold goes and, and like, learns, oh, yeah, Root's, Root sent these documents under Harold's email address uh, to, like, discredit Elizabeth. Harold has a very interesting reaction, which I think is like shows like how their relationship has evolved where he says, 
I don't think I want to see you for a while. Yeah. Because, and I think part of that is he knows that he doesn't necessarily have to forgive, but that they have to work together. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, not only, not only did she discredit this woman, um, she also, you know, ruined Harold's relationship with her and she destroyed all, everything that Harold has been working on. It was a, toward against Samaritan for the last however many yeah, months. It was a betrayal. This was like the one plan he had. Yeah, it was a betrayal. And he may understand her motivation, but it's still he still feels hurt by it. And he's gonna he needs that space there. And you know, and it's also it's interesting because it's a case of like him saying, you know, I think that I think that, you know, knocking this hole in Samaritan's defenses is worth my life. And Root saying, no, it isn't. Yeah. That, you know, ultimately she's also making it so that he doesn't have, he doesn't have agency in the situation. For the other plot, I really enjoyed Frankie. She was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frankie, it, I, I was joking about this, but uh, Catherine Winnick, who plays Frankie, does a good job here. Um, is like in a level of I knew that face. Wait, I don't actually know that face because she hasn't really done anything apart from Vikings, and I haven't watched Vikings, but I've seen a lot of gifs of it. <laughs> um, yeah, and but like she is of a specific vintage of blonde that I get confused with a bunch of others. Yeah, it's like I theoretically know her from Bones, but also like she's she also just sort of looks like discount Natalie Dormer. <laughs> I was, oh, I was trying to, yeah, okay. oh god right right she looks yep. for me she looks like um, I, d- like it's in the same thing as Vanessa Kirby for, for Mission Impossible uh, <laughs> it's just like there. there's like a bunch of blondes who all look similar to me and it's just like I'm sorry I the can't Natalie Dormer you're, you're, not, you're not the uh, only yeah, one I get that but yeah, no, she's great in this. Apart from the so, so let's talk about this because okay, Iris, fine, whatever. Like you know, make some bad decisions, sleep with a patient, or at least like have like weird boner music playing while you talk to your patient. Uh, I truly believe that this yeah. like Frankie here. These are the lowest standards a woman can have. <laughs> Um, I feel like in in her defense, it was like, clearly oh, a ploy to like you know what is it she she like handcuffs him or seals his badge or something at that point. Yeah, she, she um like she it's steals like she handcuffs. Her, she steals. Uh, yeah. The and the initial thing like like in the initial scene, she steals his badge while they're like fist fighting, and like she kisses him as a distraction to, so they can like get out of handcuffs in a scene. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, she she kisses him as a distraction while she's handcuffing him to something so that he can't right, follow her. Right. So, like in her defense, it's you know weaponized. She sexuality. she did judge correctly that this would be an effective distraction for somebody who is generally like has a very good situational awareness. Yeah, that's true. There's like some there's some funky flirting going on here, like where like. She's like, oh, yeah, I've got the bail warrant for Ray. It's in my back pocket. And she, like, turned. It's like, (laughs) this is some, like, I'm like, I've read this fic, and there is too many clothes for this. (laughs) (laughs) 
there there is there's also I didn't put it in the summary because honestly, I can't be uh, I can't be arsed. Um is that like Dr. Campbell is like like tries to refer Reese to a different psychologist. And he's like, oh no, oh no, is it something that I did? Am I a bad patient? Did I share too much? And she's like, no, it's because of the boner music. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it, it's like, she has become aware of the boner music, tries to pawn him off on a different doctor, which, like, good on her for trying to be a professional, but, like, folds like a house of cards. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I just... I have so little respect. I have so yeah. little respect no, for it's... this plot line. <laughs> um, and, and on the freaky aspect, I just feel like I like half of this dynamic and feel like instead of recent, it should have been Shaw. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because, because it's like, Reese is not a person who engages with banter and reciprocates. Right. But like, Okay, the, the in the rewrite of this episode where uh, Sarah Shahi is currently still part of the cast, obviously what you do is you have Frankie and Shaw like bantering and eye begging while Root is on the line fuming. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like this is this is the this is a slam dunk, and I. Uh, and John is just and John is just like off dealing with his psychologist romance thing. <laughs> he can be John sequestered. John is not appearing in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's overall, it's like it's an enjoyable episode. It's a like a fun dash around town of like ooh criminal shenanigans. And Harper's back. I I truly like that Harper is back and is part in a weird way of Team Machine. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite little plot lines is that we're starting to see that there's the machine. Like you've always sort of assumed that like the machine team is just this group. And you're starting to see hints that, the you know, with Root and her team and now with Harper that like the machine is not like taking this line down. It's got other other pots on the fire, so to speak. Yeah, overall, I like overall. This one's a fun one. I it's just it is. I think I've like I think I've like brain bleached myself with anything related to the the psychologist plot. Yeah, definitely same. <laughs> I like, definitely like hadn't recalled how dumb this plot line was until it started, and then like the boner music kicked in, and I was like, oh no. I think I remember. I remember how how much I didn't enjoy it. I don't remember it going on this long. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't remember it went on this long. I feel like somebody, like a higher up at the network or something like that, was like, "This show doesn't have enough romance. John needs another love interest," and this is what we got. Uh, also, a fun note in the for this episode: originally, Harper's role in this episode was supposed to be Zoe. Interesting. Interesting. That would have made the uh, episode better, frankly. Oh no! Oh not! Oh, I, mean, no, oh, I, like, I, I thought you meant Frankie. No, oh. no, no, yeah, no, it was Harper. It was... No, that's yeah. No, I'm glad that it's Harper, not Zoe. I love Zoe, but it's fun seeing yeah. Harper again. I absolutely want to see an episode that's just like Shaw, Root, Harper, Frankie, and Zoe, <laughs> and like 
And like John, John and Harold can like go to the beach or something. I want to see Fusco. all yeah. the characters that have decided they're better. They're too good to waste time on John in one episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, okay. I want the team of ladies and Fusco. Yes, and Fusco. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like any, like, yeah, like anytime, like there's the hyper competent side characters. Fusco is a good pairing with them. Yeah. For, like comic relief and. But yeah, I overall it's like yeah we're we're this is the this is the the drag of things and double like I'm come on get to get to the beady stuff and I'm like either I I I'm like despite my like I want to speed up and get to the end I like these are not like bland or anything but they're like it's it's fun and these are like some and I think this one like the B plot with Harold and Root really sells it. Yeah, I mean that that B plot is intense. Like, and, and our main number is like, oh hey, this is fun and unoff- un- fun and unoffensive, and like for episode eighteen out of a twenty two uh, episode season, that is that is a slam dunk. Yeah, yes. I think unlike uh, Karma, which I feel like fires on at most one of eight cylinders, maybe maybe well maybe two of eight cylinders. I feel like Skip does a pretty good job for for what it is what it's needed to do at this point in the season. Um, it definitely. Yeah, I feel like starts it's. To I feel like up. it's easing us back into the high drama. Yeah, it's definitely going to start too. picking back up as we get a little further into the season. Here, I'm looking at the list of episodes. Okay, uh, but yeah, the last two episodes. Wow, they really do mm. pack all that banana shit into the last two episodes. Jesus Christ! Yeah, Holy exactly. Shit. All right then. I do have one lingering question about this episode. Yeah. Frankie can bluejack? I don't know. Maybe she has a hacker friend or something, and it's just like, and it is not a Herald unique technology. But the fact that she uses the same word for it is wild to me. I mean, it is a technical term. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a uh <laughs> a an industry term for 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 that activity. Yeah. But yes, it is funny that yeah. it's like it's it's yeah, always and, been and, it's always been like implied that it was a like Harold specific thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. No, I, I, because, okay. There was an episode in like season one or two where somebody else has already blue jacked a phone. It was, but it was an ISA agent. Right. Yeah. So I mean like it, yeah. it, it, other people could do it. I guess it's just you, in some cases you got to be able to yeah. like, I guess you need to pay, like you need to have somebody in the know, or I guess like, there might be some like criminal element that has access to it or something. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else we want to talk about with this one? I think I'm good on it. I'm good. All right. Other than other than uh, rut row cracked me up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Roots rooting rut row. <laughs> Amy Acker is a gift. She is so good, especially in these little like light moments interspersed throughout like the th- the stuff. Her 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 delivery on some of these on some of these moments is so good. I love it. Yeah. All right. So next time we are going to be covering episodes nineteen and twenty of season four, Search and Destroy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and Terra Incognita. Until next time, we are being watched. <laughs> 
The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. Thank you.